Welcome to episode one of EV Podcast with me and my good friend and fellow paranormal fanatic, Cara Jordan. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen in. We really, really appreciate it. On this first show, we are talking about our own experiences to get to know us. And also we take a look at some of the latest news in the paranormal world. And with that, let's get into episode one. Cara, how are you? I'm okay, other than a rash-covered face. How are you? It's nothing, it's nothing supernatural, is it? Oh, I don't know. Unless I've, I've annoyed some kind of poltergeist that I don't know that's actually occupying my house, then no. <laughs> well, now you've brought this up, we might we might have to monitor it on a week-by-week basis now. You shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> yeah, maybe I shouldn't have done Because now you've got me thinking about the noises that I do here at night. If I'm downstairs, it sounds like there's someone walking on the floorboards occasionally, and I just put it down to the house being old and settling, but maybe it isn't. <laughs> I'm not sure I would be able to go to sleep at a house like that. I know. What's worse is that in my bedroom, we have the um, attic door. And when you're sat in here, but I sit in here reading at night time. And it sounds like there's people upstairs in the attic, but there's absolutely nothing up there. I mean, that's that's giving me chills already. I mean, <laughs> and somehow we've just gone from a basic introduction of how are you to, oh, listen to all of this stuff that happens into my, my home. <laughs> Well, let, let's come on to your house in a little while. Yeah. Um, this is our first episode, and it's been a long time coming. We've, we've tried to do it quite a few times, haven't we? Yeah, it's probably been since the beginning of the year that we've tried. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's just been percolating and maturing. Yes, as all great things do. So I thought we'd start with just a, a very quick um, introduction. Uh, we're both big fans of the paranormal and maybe talk about what got us into it so um as i didn't tell you we were doing this bit um i'll put you on the spot a bit i'm gonna i'm gonna go first um but hello everyone my name's chris um i have been interested in the paranormal for a long long time um i can remember being a young boy and there was i'm a bit older than you so i, I doubt you'll know what i'm talking about here but i can remember sitting with my parents in my front room and there was a newspaper pullout of a map of Britain, and it was like a weekly paranormal hunt that the newspaper was running. Mm. And it had like the, the map was covered in castles and like Stonehenge and villages and things, and you had to work out clues as to which ghost or which monster was ascribed to that place. And I think from then on, I just you know really had an interest in it. It was really boosted in the nineties by. Uh, programs like the X-Files and uh, 40 and TV. They had this really cool biker vicar. He was a genuine vicar who was interested in the paranormal. And he used to uh, have this uh, TV show. It was based on 40 and Times, the uh, magazine. But it was, uh, it was a TV show. It was great. I don't know if it's still on uh, I don't know if it's still on YouTube, but it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, and then it's just kind of grown from there. Just uh, try and gobble up as much paranormal stuff as as i can in, including the the questionable uh shows as well not naming any names but uh they're a bit of a guilty pleasure for me <laughs> how, how about you where did where did your love start it, it's gonna sound silly me saying this but i'm gonna say probably from leaving the womb <laughs> <laughs> you're not gonna say you were born in a graveyard or something i no, but I do have a relative who actually hung himself in a graveyard. Oh, God. So <laughs> you bought that on yourself, that one. Uh, yeah. Um, no, so my mum and dad are both very spiritual. Um, even before I was born, my mum would sit in circle um, and do readings for people and past life regression. Um, my dad is very much into astral projection. So ever since I've been little i've grown up in this environment of having tarot cards in the house it all just seems very norm to me um crystals and anything spiritual all paranormal books um so my mum and i are very close so she has impressed on me a lot of her beliefs and her likes not through force i mean i've just taken it on board and been like oh yeah that's really cool um, and then as I've grown up, I've sort of developed my own um, thoughts on everything and gone from there. So, yeah, with my own experiences with paranormal and 
things that I've read and like you, what I've seen on TV, what the media has influenced on me. Um, it's all all just grown into this big love for anything bizarre. I mean, it sounds like you had the upbringing I would have wanted because I can remember as a teenager, I, I bought a hell of a lot of um, occult books. This is a bit of a passion of mine oh, now. Right. I, only over recent years have I started building it up again. Um, and they were, they were nothing special. They were just like out of the local bookshop, not a, not an independent bookshop. Um, so pretty run-of-the-mill stuff. But I remember my parents just chucked them all away because they were maybe, maybe rightly so. You know, they knew nothing and know nothing of that kind of world. So it was kind of, you know, on the surface, it looked very bad. So as a parent, I can understand where they're coming from. Um, a conversation might have been nice. I mean, it's bringing back bad memories of my mum chucking away all my Lego and Star Wars figures all over again. <laughs> Leave those scars as they are. Oh, please. Um, so, yeah, I think let's talk about some of our own experiences now. Um, I mean, I know we've talked a lot before. We've both had many, many experiences. Uh, you might as well take it away with the house because I, I didn't know that about your house. So I'm really interested to hear. But as the current house I'm living in, uh, the creaks and the noises, but I really don't think that that is anything paranormal. Um, I don't have that little spidey sense that there's ghosts around here like I've had uh, in my other homes. The main house was um, that I grew up in. That's where we had the most paranormal activity. And literally everyone in my family experienced something. If it wasn't all of us at once, then it would be one or two of us. Um, so my... But do you, do you not find that that really gives legitimacy to it as well, that multiple people separately and together oh, have different experiences? Yeah. It's not just one person saying, oh, you know, I, there was a, a whisper or something. With oh, no, we, so many people. Yeah, no, we all see and hear the same thing, and all our stories matched like for like. So it's not like, you know, someone's heard it and been like, oh, yeah, yeah, and gone along and mm. tried to be involved with it. So how, how long was you in this house? Was this your growing up house? Yeah, so I think we moved... Well, I think before I was five, I'd lived in two other houses, but this one I'd lived in from the age of five till 13, I think. Um, and in this house, it was just ridiculous the amount of activity that went on. And it was, it was your... Um, I'm jumping the gun here a bit because I, obviously I know you, but so was this your parents and your brother in the house? So four of you in the house? Yeah, so at the time... Well, it depends what year we've, we go from it, but between the age of five and 13 was when I lived there. My brother is three years younger than me. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, everything happened while we were all under the... Not, it didn't all happen at the same time, that we were all under the same roof. <laughs> so my mum might be in and something might happen to her or uh, be me and my dad and my brother. Um, but... Things that happened to us as a collective, there was this one occasion my dad had opened a beer one evening um, and he'd left it on the kitchen counter, not on the edge, it was far enough back that it was between like the windowsill and the, the counter, so it was just in the middle. And we'd all gone into the lounge for some reason or other and we heard this thud. So we go back into the kitchen and this can of beer that was open and full was turned upside down on the floor with a perfect ring of beer around it, but nothing had come out. So the can was full. Even to pick it up, it wasn't frozen or anything. Mm. It just did not pour out. And that was my mum, my dad and me. Uh, they experienced that. And they tried to reenact it with other beers. Like, mm. oh, that had something fallen off of the uh, the drainer and knocked it over, but nothing had been moved. So that was a mystery. Do, do you remember at the time what the kind of, I mean, I know you said you, you've come from a quite spiritual family, so that it might have been the assumption that it was something paranormal straight away. But do you remember what the kind of rationale was or did any, could anyone give any kind of reason as to what they thought it was? 
Uh, well, because I was so young at the time, I think it was just that I was like, okay, well, what has happened? And just watching how my mum and dad would try and recreate the scene. Um, but because obviously my mum and dad had had lots of experiences beforehand, they just chalked it down to being, oh, it's the ghosts playing around again. Um, so it wasn't anything unusual for them for that kind of stuff to go on. And but the same thing happened again with a carton of milk. <laughs> a few years later, I remember that I'd put the milk on the counter and gone to get my mum <laughs> to um, do like my nighttime milk regime. And this time the milk was on the floor, but it did come out. But the bottle was upside down again with the rim pressed to the ground, but no milk had come out at that stage. That's, that's insane. And so so two... Was there any more? Is it just two examples of the exact same thing happening? Yeah, that was it for the two of the same thing. Um, but other occasions... Um, so when I lived in that house, I didn't know that the lad that I sat next to in school had previously lived in my house and I'd gone to the bathroom and at, at this time in my life I had two black cats and what, one of what them were the names? Um, Whitley and Piper Aww. so Whitley like after Whitley Stryber <laughs> <laughs> and um, Piper because of Charmed she was my favourite one at the time um, so Whitley had a blue collar and Piper had a red collar and I'd been in the bathroom in an evening, so it was quite dark. And I just turned the light out, opened the door to go out onto the landing. And this black cat with a blue collar comes walking towards me. So I assumed that it was Whitley. And I've just gone to pick this cat up. But as I've picked it up, my hands have just passed through air. And this cat has just evaporated in, like, shadow. And I have just crapped myself. Oh, well, well, <laughs> Not well. literally. And just ran downstairs freaking out how how old were you i honestly don't know i probably what was it eight or nine that's incredible yeah because i think we got whitley and piper in 2002 so i would have been six at six eight that would have been eight at the time so yeah maybe eight or nine eight in 2002 i hate you so much (laughs) (laughs) that's that i mean that's that's incredible i mean what what did your parents say my mum wasn't surprised um, that it had happened, not because she'd seen anything. Um, but it was just the fact that when I I, I told my mum, but then because of how I'd been raised with the paranormal, I remember a few weeks later I broached it with this lad in school because um, obviously it was that next to each other. And I was like, you know how you used to live in my house? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, did you ever have a cat? And I didn't say what colour this cat was or anything, but he just said, yeah, I had a black cat called Polly and she had a blue collar. Mate, that's... Uh... Did you ever try calling for the cat after that? I mean, I would have done. No. I no, I was so scared of anything paranormal at that point. <laughs> I was like, you know, they, they, they say that especially, you know, animals can have an affinity with the, the paranormal, especially cats. Oh, Did definitely. your cats ever act weird? With anything you couldn't see? Not that I can recall. Uh, no. I mean, it's it's quite similar to something that happened when I was a kid. I mean, and I, I would have been a lot younger than you were. Mm. Um, I would say I was probably about five. Um, and I, I can't say for sure what it was, but I can remember I was playing in my bedroom. And my bedroom door faced my mum's bedroom door, and all the doors were always open. And I can remember seeing uh, the shadow of of a cat on the wall, but very big, like a panther. It was it was huge, and it was on the wall in my mum's room. So I could see part of the head, and then it sort of disappeared across the window, and then it appeared again on the other side of the window. And I was so scared, I ran downstairs and said, "There's a cat in your room." And I can remember my mum and dad going up there, turning everything upside down, saying there's no cat up here. But I saw it and it wasn't a, it wasn't a little shadow. It was a, I don't think I ever told them how big it was, but it was a huge on the wall shadow of a cat. And I, I don't know. I just, I look back and I think, why, why would, I mean, I certainly wasn't making it up. But no. what, what could, what could it have been that I thought it, 
I, I don't know. I, I saw it. That's all I can say. I saw it. Ooh, so, and what about your uh, your current house? Because you said, and I know you feel that it's not necessarily paranormal, but didn't you say that you can hear people walking around upstairs? It and sounds downstairs? like there's footsteps across the landing. Like there's certain pressure points on the floorboards that you have to hit to get them to on, creep. On the, la- on the landing. On anywhere in on in the bedroom, the landing, the bathroom. The bathroom, you don't get any noise from that, but the, it's mainly the landing. Like the very top step. Does um, this happen all the time? Pretty much, yeah. Which is why I don't think it is paranormal. Do you notice it during the day? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. If I was lying in bed and I heard what sounded like footsteps below me and above me and outside the door, I might, <laughs> I might think, tw- think twice about what was going on, but... You know, I don't want to scare you for bedtime tonight or anything like that. But I know, so, I'll be fine. <laughs> so you hear it in the loft as well? Yeah, yeah. It's always like banging, like someone's dropped something on the floor. Yeah. Are, you, are you connected to next door? Yes, but it's just an, an old lady who lives by herself. And there's no one who lives on the other side where the end of Terrace. Wow. I mean, the, the strangest things that I've had... Um, in a house was um, my wife's family home and her parents still live there. And this is going back a long time uh, before I had kids, before I was married. Uh, She's got a brother and sister and all three kids had a partner and we were all living in this house. It was a four bedroom house and her parents and each of the three kids and their partners were basically living in their own bedroom. And between us, there was literally something happening on a daily basis. Everyone was seeing things all the time. Um, just like you know, things moving, hearing things, feeling things, and you, you know, and you know when something is not right. And of course, it could be that you know the hysteria of everyone always talking about it makes things seem worse than they are. That's that's entirely possible. Yeah. Um, however. Uh, the things that happened to me personally, I know they happened and I can't explain them. Before I get on to that, I'll just I'll tell you a couple of things that happened to my father in law. He's a, a really kind of straight down the line guy. He he wouldn't make this up for a joke. Uh, he's not a believer. He he just tells the facts as they happened. And he has told me before that he was sitting in the front room and they've got a glass door into the hallway. You know, like a wooden door with a glass panel. Yeah, he said he he was in the house on his own. He saw someone walk past the door. Um, he dismisses it because it would have been out the corner of his eye. He wasn't like staring at it, but he says he saw something walk past the door. And obviously, he went out there because he thought someone had just come home, and, that, and there was no one there. Um, he also, and he claims I've I've never spoken to my wife's brother about it, but he claims that um, her, her brother saw it as well. He actually says that he saw something manifest in front of him in the living room. Um, I don't, I don't, like I said, they still live there. So I don't tell my kids about what's going on in Nanny and Granddad's house. But he said, again, it was out the corner of his eye. He saw something, or they both saw something just appear floating in the middle of the room. They looked at it and it was just like a a wispy mass that vanished uh, a couple of seconds after they turned to look at it. Um, uh, they they can't explain it. Uh, they, like I say, I I never saw those things, but he's he's quite a reliable source. Um, the, the things that happened to me though, the three the, the, lots of things like the minor things were like, um, you know, you 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 go to the bathroom and the tap's running. Um, in isolation, you'd think oh someone left the tap on, but these things happen all the time. It starts to build up. Um, but I can remember I came home one day and I looked up the stairs and I I could see someone in the bathroom. I couldn't I couldn't see them, but I could see their 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 shadow in the bathroom. I just felt like someone was in there. And I went into the front room. And my, my wife's sister was there, and I just asked who was upstairs. She had said no one, no one's home. So I ran upstairs. No one was in the bathroom at all. But what was really weird was all the bedroom doors were open. And that that in itself is really weird because everyone was effectively, apart from the kitchen, was living in their bedrooms. And everyone was, 
you know, as young people are, private, the doors were always shut, always. And every single door was wide open. Um, another time, I, I was up before anyone else in the house. It was, a, it was a full house. Everyone was in. But I was up really early, and I, I went downstairs to make a cup of tea. Um, and I can remember I heard someone coming down the stairs, and being the idiot that I am, I thought, oh, won't it be funny to hide and jump out on them, whoever they are, you know, including my my, my mother-in-law. So I just, I, I stood underneath the stairs because the door into the living room goes under the stairs. So I stood under the stairs, heard them coming down. No one ever appeared. And I looked around. No one was there. No one was, they couldn't go anywhere else. No one was downstairs. Everyone was still upstairs in their rooms. And I can't explain that at all. I Did mean, you I, if anyone had gone back up the stairs, or would, I mean, I, I went through it at all. It, it's possible that they went back up and I didn't hear them for sure. But in my memory, I, I heard someone coming down the stairs to the bottom, and I was so sure they came to the bottom. I didn't hear anything more. I sort of poked my head out. No one was there, so I went to the bottom of the stairs, looked up. No one was there. I didn't hear them go back up. You, you are. It's possible they could have gone back up. But I don't see how they could have without me hearing them. Yeah. Um, the last one I'll give you from that house was is quite strange. I remember I was clearing up our room, and I completely cleared the floor. There was the floor was spotless. Um, the the only thing this one actually gives me chills. The only thing that was on the floor was a pen lid, and it was right by my feet. Um, wasn't touching my feet, but it was like a couple of inches away. I didn't move. I just looked around to get something off the bed. And at the corner of my eye, I saw something sort of flash downwards, like something could have been dropped. And I, I looked, and in the middle of the room, lo and behold, this pen lid was now in the middle of the room. And it, it was almost as if it had been picked up and dropped a couple of feet away. And I hadn't, my, I, my feet hadn't moved. I hadn't kicked it or anything. I saw it out the corner of my eye. I saw something drop. Look, see, what the hell was that? And, and the pen lid's in the middle of the floor. Again, don't know how to uh, explain it. The weird thing is, though, even though, as, as I repeat it back, it, it, at the time, it, it chills me now talking about it, but at the time, there was no feeling of malice at all. It didn't feel horrible. Never never felt threatening or anything like that. It was just a, a very happy home. And the, the weirdest thing is that an elderly couple lived next door, and they were good friends of the, the in-laws, and one day they moved. Um, and from that day onwards, nothing else has happened ever. Nothing at all. Ooh. Do you think it's something that could be attached to them then? I think so. It's weird. The, the two houses, they look like maybe they could have been one at some point. They're not. They never were. It's just the way they were designed. But they're the two oldest houses in the street. Um, and it's got quite a, a history that the land that the street was built on um, used to be for the local manor house. It used to be where their houses was the greenhouses. And often my mother-in-law's digging in the garden and she'll find all sorts of things. She's, she's found a couple of bayonets from the Second World War. Um, she's found like keys and uh, bits of glass from the old greenhouses, all, all sorts of things. Uh, it's just so weird that this elderly couple, they just moved. Um, and then from that day onward, nothing, absolutely nothing. And this was, this was years ago, but to have so much happening on a daily basis and then absolutely nothing after that. Actually, uh, although I have gone on a bit, I'll, I'll tell you one more thing, because there was one thing that was really frightening that happened. It was only time that anything, I felt threatened. I was downstairs and it was really late at night um, and I was on the computer in the living room and it would it would have been, I say really late, but it was probably about 11. And I can remember I just got a, a real, it's hard to describe it, like an oppressive feeling, like I felt like I was being crushed. Um, and I turned around and the cat was like staring into the middle of the room. It was clearly agitated. And the room just seemed really dark. But the darkness seemed to be sort of stretching around the room, like reaching around to me. I know that sounds really weird, but it's, it's all I could describe. I didn't see anything. It just felt like the room was dark and closing in. And then it, it just went and the room seemed to brighten. And then nothing. I felt fine. Very, very. That was the only time I ever felt threatened there. That's really scary, especially since your cat reacted to it. cat reacted to it as well, yeah. But the thing is, like, thinking back, I could have think, you know, could have been anything, could have been my imagination, but 100% the cat reacted as well. Um, 
And that's the only time I felt threatened in that house. Apart from my father-in-law threatening me, obviously, but <laughs> I, I, paranormal wise, that's the that's the only time. But as you say, just just like your house, it's just the volume of people who have experienced things is um, is what gives it uh, credibility to me. Yeah, of course. I mean, I've got loads of different stories and things that happened in other houses. Um, but to keep it simple and short, some of them, um, so from the house previously that I lived in with my family, uh, when I was a teenager at school, the mirror in the bathroom at night time, because it was like, the bathroom was an extension to the house. It wasn't built with the house originally for some strange reason. Um, so there was no bathroom on this house at some point in time. So in the evenings, it'd get filled with condensation. So the mirror would steam up. And for about a month, every night, I would go in the bathroom. My dad used to go to bed very early at that time. He'd go to bed about 7, 8 o'clock at night and be up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. He was just that kind of person. Um, and it was usually just my mum, my brother and myself in the living room. And on different occasions, it was like either be me or my mum, we'd go in the bathroom, turn the lights on, and on the mirror would be written like a sequence of zeros and ones. Okay. Very odd. Now, bear in mind, my dad's in bed. Yeah. My brother can't reach that high and there was nothing to stand on. I hadn't done it. And my mum had been with me in the lounge the whole time. And we're like, what's happened? Where have these come from? So we'd wipe it all down, leave it. And then the next night it would happen again. But it'd be a different sequence of zeros and ones. Did you ever write them down? And you know, no. At the time, I never thought to do it, and obviously, my mum and dad didn't for some strange reason. Um, but it just—it literally—it stopped as quickly as it started, and I have no idea what it was. How many times did it happen? Over the course of four weeks, pretty much every night. That's so weird. And I was getting so agitated that I was I was blaming my brother. I was like, come on, John, you are doing this. But he obviously couldn't reach it. So, but yeah, it was very bizarre. Um, and then another time at this same house, my, um, my next door neighbor, who I was very close to, I saw her as like a grandmother figure and she had passed away a couple of months before. And uh, in the evenings, me and my mum and Pauline, we would go out and sit in the back garden and they would each have a cigarette. So after Pauline had passed, I think it was a a couple of weeks or a couple of months after her funeral, and me and my mum were sat out in the back garden and we had a couple of other chairs there for when we had people round. My mum was having a cigarette and she was just out of the blue. She said, here you are, Pauline, pull up a chair and have a fag. And literally about 30 seconds later, this smoke, just like cigarette smoke, started to appear from this chair as if she was sat there with her hand draped over the the armrest with a fag in her hand and the smoke going up. But there were no cigarettes about other than my mum's and she wasn't sat near that chair. It's this stuff like that that gives me a, that gives me a chill. I love stuff like that. And you're just like, ooh. <laughs> what about, um, have you had any experiences with UFOs or anything like that? Yes, at this same house, ironically. <laughs> um, so, I don't know what it is with you and houses, Cara. <laughs> well, apparently, well, apparently, my when my mum and dad have had um, a psychic medium go and read them before to see what all this activity is to do with. And a common occurrence in their lives is my dad's younger brother Peter who is apparently he died when he was just a baby um and my dad was the brother before him um Mm. so they've always had this sort of attachment and apparently Peter has followed my dad throughout his life and sort of been a guardian for him so I thought that was quite sweet that is good um but yes back to ufos um so at my house in brentwood in Navestockside, we 
lived in this house that was backed onto this massive field. So like I said, we would sit out there in the evenings. And one night it was just me and my mum. Was, was this the beer house or the mirror house? Is this the what? Was this the beer house or the mirror house? The mirror house. Ah, okay. The mirror one. Yes. Um, so we were sat outside. Uh, my mum was having a fag. We were just sitting outside at night time, chilling out. And we were just having a conversation about something and nothing. And out of nowhere, there's this massive orange circle and I say circle because it wasn't a ball. It was literally like someone had taken a piece of orange cardboard and cut out a perfect circle and just hung it from the heavens and slowly released it down. And it, well, was, it, was, it, was, it was moving. Yeah. Yeah. It was just descending behind the trees, but it literally come from like the top of the sky and just gone down. It, it didn't change shape. It was, had, this not, was this nighttime or daytime? Nighttime. It wasn't 3D. It had no light to it. Or if it was a light, it was, like I said, it's literally like someone had just cut out an orange cardboard. You, you, saw, you saw the colour, but it didn't look like it was illuminating anything. Yeah, no, it didn't look like it was illuminating at all. It didn't have any 3D body to it. It was literally just like slowly moving down. Mm. My mum both saw it. And when we spoke to our neighbours a few doors down the like a few days later, they mentioned the same thing, but we hadn't said anything to anyone. But they'd seen it too. And we were just like, wow. That's strange. That's strange. Now, I, well, I wonder as well if there were reports of it in the local press at the time. Well, we did look out for stuff, but no one had seen it. That's strange. But you'd think if it was lowering down that it would change size. Mm. It was going straight down as well. Just straight down. Because I'm thinking if it was going straight down from a, a serious height, because I'm thinking, is it possible it could have been a Chinese lantern? But the thing is, if it was if it was a Chinese lantern, it would have if, been it was, if it was close, you would see the shape of it. Yeah. If it was far away, it wouldn't have been that big at all. No, and and I I doubt very much it would have dropped straight down as well. So did it just go behind the horizon and that was it? Yeah, that yeah. is very strange. I I the only time I've ever seen a UFO was a long time ago at um, Turnham Green Underground Station, which is right at uh, the opposite end to us in the uh, district line, and it was quite it was dark. It was about nine o'clock at night, and um, I was standing at the end of the uh, platform ready to make the full length of the district line home. And I saw this uh, bright oval in the sky. Um, and this was a, a long time ago, so I didn't have a mobile phone or anything like that. Um, I was in my late teens. And um, it, was, it, was, it was a bright oval shape, but the, the middle was missing, like an oval polo. And it, it was in the sky, and it just it just kept moving very very slowly left to right. So it would move just left a couple of inches above the horizon, stop, and then all of a sudden it would it would move right again. And I, I, being the person I am, I didn't dare ask anyone what they thought it was because there was quite a few people around, but no one was paying any attention. No one they just you know looking at newspapers and talking, and no one was looking at it. Um, but I actually missed several trains just looking at it because I just could, I couldn't work out what it was. Just oh, good. it was very 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 strange. And in the end, I thought, you know, I've been here about an hour now watching it. I need to I need to I need to go home. But I mean, I never I used to go to that station a lot. And I never I never never saw it again. It was very very strange. Um, before we before we move on to the, the the final bit of this week's episode, have you ever had? Um, any other experiences you want to talk about, like uh, past life or cryptozoology creatures or anything? Um, the only other thing that I can think of that's worth mentioning in the paranormal scope of things, I've never had anything to do with cryptozoology, um, is the time... At my the house with the beer <laughs> and the milk, yeah. 
Um, I forever, to, forever to be known as the beer house. The beer house, yes. Infamous. <laughs> um, so I've told you this story before, but I'll obviously share it again now. Um, so at this house, me and my brother shared a room at the time. It was a two-bedroom house. And my mum and dad had just switched rooms with me and my brother a week or so before so that we had the bigger bedroom. And my mum, as mentioned earlier, that she um, used to sit in circle and do readings for people. She had... Actually, I'm not going to tell you what she'd done. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> but I will tell you my experience and then tell you what she did when <laughs> okay. I was linked up. So I'd woke up in the night for a drink and the head of my bed would be maybe about six feet away from my bedroom door. Um, and I was sleeping on my left side. So I was, my face was out towards the whole room and I'd woke up for a drink, looked at the clock across the room, just to see what time it was and reached my drink at the same moment and just froze. There were three children stood in my room None of which were my brother. Jesus he, Christ. He was asleep <laughs> in the other bed, um, away from it all. Lucky bastard. <laughs> um, and I just froze. So literally next to me, walking towards the bedroom door. So you can imagine my the head of my bed is six oh, feet. Oh, away. sorry. They, they're walking away from you. No, they're walking past me towards right, the bedroom right. door. So bear in mind my my head is six feet away from the bedroom door um, and they've got to walk past me to get there. Um, there, there was a, a black boy walking. Well, he wasn't, I say walking, they were all frozen in time, but based on the position that they were in, I could tell that they were, they were sort of stationary in movement. Yeah. Um, so this lad was wearing, red tartan pajamas sort of like the scottish kilt sort of design and that was his pajamas and he was just sort of frozen in time like i said behind him there was a younger lad maybe about five or six he had blonde short hair with blue and white striped pajamas and in his left hand he was carrying this really old ragged teddy and at the back of the room by my clock was a girl maybe about 12 or 13 and she had like straw colored hair down to her bum and this white nighty on and I assume it was like from the Victorian era because it had frills around the collar and it, it just hung that way and she had a pencil but it wasn't a pencil as we know it it was like literally carved mm and just wood looking and this very old paper in her hand. And then all around the room, it was just light. There was all these orbs of different shapes and sizes, just blasting out their lights. And I've just panicked in that moment, <laughs> thrown myself under the covers and stayed there for hours, just sweating and trying not to move. So, so would you say they were from different eras or? They were yeah, they no, they were from different times. Um, that's, that's that's fascinating because you don't often hear stories of ghosts interacting with each other. Yeah, no, it's very bizarre. But at the time, you know, I was younger than ten, so all I knew was that it was ghosts in my room, and I didn't like it. See, see this is the thing. You you know, it's similar, although far more impressive than my ghost cat experience. Similar thing in that, you know, you know you saw it, whatever oh, else, whatever other people may say, whether it was real or not, you, you saw what you saw, just as I saw what I saw. Um, the, the thing that I find really interesting is if you were mistaken, if you dreamt it or something like that, that is quite a complicated and sophisticated thing to dream. You know, you, you, you really have a clear recollection of what you saw. Um, the fact that they were from different eras apparently is equally strange, and all the orbs around the room. I mean, the, uh, that's not everyone would know that. If, you know, if you ask kids today about orbs and that kind of thing, they wouldn't oh, necessarily no, associate that. Yeah, I mean, I can understand that's, why that's, someone, that's really impressive. I can understand why someone would think I've made it up because of the detail that I go into, but mm. it's the fact that it's 
that has always stuck with me my entire life that that, that image um and then so the next morning after my very sleepless night i told my mum what i'd seen and she said oh dear that might be my fault and i've looked at her like why why on earth would that be your fault and she's like i invited the spirit children over last night i put out a message to say that if any children in the afterlife were lonely and were looking for some company then they were more than welcome to come to me and i would look after them yeah and i was thanks mum yeah and thanks mum because we've just swapped rooms so your energy is still where i'm sleeping so that's why they've come to my room so yeah it's just that that image of all these children well, these three children in my room with these orbs, and then I tell her, and she's like, "Oh no, I put this message out." You know, it's just—it's too good to be a coincidence. <laughs> oh, that's that's uh, that's really cool. Um, I'll I'll just end it just before we go on to uh, the paranormal news. I'll, I'll give you a, a kind of reverse example. So, um, this actually turned out not to be paranormal, but it absolutely scared the hell out of me um this happened oh the the last year before the pandemic so the last year i was able to go away somewhere so i I guess two years ago yeah um and we were you know i can't even remember where we were now but somewhere in this country a very rural place and we was in a, a a very basic village that we were using as a base to go off and visit other other places that we wanted to see and we were staying in this really nice cottage. I mean, but if, if you looked at this cottage, you would say haunted. It's like the classic scary looking cottage. And we were staying there um, and it was so old, like it had all bits added onto it. And there was a an original um, stone feature that they'd kept, which is where they used to wash clothes and that kind of thing. Um, it didn't feel scary at all it didn't like you walked in it just felt very homely it was lovely um and i can remember i couldn't sleep one night and i just thought uh, i don't know why but in the middle of the night i thought oh i'm gonna i'm gonna search paranormal stuff in the area and i started reading about this allegedly haunted house and all the experiences people had had and it said it was in or near the same village that we were in and i'm thinking oh shit like where where is this house and i looked down and you know guess what there was a picture of the bloody cottage we were in was at the bottom of the article and i thought oh shit and i thought i'm I'm not going to tell anyone um but i started doing a bit more research and the house um the cottage used to be two it had been turned into one it was a very very small orphanage uh for a little while and we, we come, I didn't tell anyone, um, I think I did tell my wife in the end, but the next day we come home from being out all day and we walked in, uh, everything's fine, yep, great, went upstairs and every single door was wide open, like all the bedroom doors, and I thought that's weird because, you know, I know I shut them. Um, I, I just, I wouldn't leave them open, that was really strange. Um and they were all open, and I and I told my wife, who's, I could tell she was really uncomfortable with it, because she's kind of a, a bit like me, a sceptical believer. She doesn't have a particular interest in it, um, but she's open to the idea, but she just didn't want to know. I can, I can remember as clear as day her just pretending it hadn't happened. And for the next couple of days, basically shitting it, like really scared, but we thought we'll just see the time out. And at the end, um, my daughter said, oh, oh yeah, I did that, I just opened all the doors before we left uh, and i thought christ why 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 would you why would you do that why would you don't do it at home but it was just oh my god the relief the relief after that I thought, Good <laughs> god. but interestingly you know for a house that looked haunted for a house that had associated with it um hauntings how easily something as simple as doors being opened that i assumed oh my god what's going on <laughs> um yeah exactly but I just, I always brought it back to it doesn't feel horrible. You know what I mean? It just, it just felt like a very nice, uh, homely house. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was quite interesting because, you know, one of the scared, scaredest moments paranormal wise that I've ever been. And it was actually, uh, not, not very scary at all. Uh, so we're going to move on to some news now. And I, I sent you a, a couple of stories. This will be a weekly thing that we do. 
Um, let's start with the uh, spooky childlike figure photographed uh, in Greater Manchester. Uh, so just for a bit of context for everyone, and I'll, I'll put links to all of these stories in the podcast description so people can check them out. Um, but this is uh, in the, the mirror, and Bill Bradbury, a former head teacher, photographed what appears to be a ghostly child under Victoria Hall, a 121-year-old building in Bolton, Greater Manchester. So what did you think of this? I'm the first person who always want to believe that what is photographed and captured is true unfortunately on this occasion i don't believe it what, um, what, what, what turned you off it for you mainly the zoomed in photograph i find that it lacks a lot of clarity there i mean i can see from the zoom out how much it does look like a, a child's head and shoulders um i don't know i mean i'm of two minds I mean, I, I'll, sorry. I'll be brutally honest. I can't see it at all. <laughs> I don't know if I'm looking wrong. I just, I, I, I mean, I can see what could be shoulders. I guess I just can't see it. To to me, it could be anything. Yeah, I mean, you don't know if it's a reflection or if it's just the play of the light. Um, are, are you looking at it now? Have you got it up now? Yeah, I've got my phone. So, I'm looking at the zoomed in. Help me. I can't... Where, what am I looking at? I can't see it. So... So the, the big the big white at the bottom... So I'm looking at the zoomed-in circle. So the big white at the bottom, is that supposed to be the child's body and shoulders? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So but that's what you zoom in. It just goes all distorted. Yeah, I don't see anything. I mean, it kind of... Oh! Yeah. I suppose on the... On the oh, Okay, on the one that's um, on the one that's not zoomed in, I suppose a push. You can do it. Maybe. I mean, but I mean, you know, no offence, but uh, this isn't it to me. <laughs> I just, I don't see it. I know that's how I felt. Unfortunately, I mean, he did say that the um, these grounds hadn't been explored much. Um, and- and also, to, to be absolutely fair to the guy, he's actually said, Mr. Bradbury, who now fronts local band, the Tonto, shout out to the Tontos, reckons it's just a trick of the eye. <laughs> I mean, that's that's his own opinion. He's taken this picture. He's basically, he's taken this picture, he's posted it, said, because he wanted to show um, interest for local residents who, who might not see this area. He wanted to show the interest of it. And I think it's other people, like in the comments and things, who have said, Bloody hell! There's a little boy in that window. Yeah, you know, the guy, the guy, who, the guy who took the photo can't see it himself. No, and that's the thing. It says that the overhead of the rest of the building is reputed to be haunted, but yeah, you know, there's no evidence. There's no uh, voice recordings. There's no EVPs. Yeah, I, I don't see it. I think this one is a, a trick of the eye. Uh, what I do like, though, uh, God bless the mirror, is to try and to try and give it a little bit of uh, extra credibility. They uh, they say several times it, the photo is by former head teacher Bill Bradbury. Like, uh, well done. Obviously. Yeah. So not fake, but you know, Bill, as he says, he doesn't see it. I don't see it. You don't see it. Uh, I think this one's. Uh, this one's uh, not real. Yeah, yeah, we'll <laughs> pass on this one. Uh, let's go to... Chupacabra. Uh, you want to go to the Chupacabra? Okay, so <laughs> this is from The Sun. Blood-sucking terror. Panic as mystery vampire beast kills 50 animals by piercing their bodies and sucking them dry. It's chilly. Sounds like a decent Friday night to me. <laughs> my Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean... It's, I find this one an interesting one because I find cryptozoology interesting in that. So this is obviously a, a creature, the, the chupacabra, uh, goat sucker uh, from South America, that has kind of expanded from a lot of folklore. So the, the fact that it's it's evolved from folklore is is, is one thing. Um, I'll explain why in a minute, but I'm in two minds about this one. I don't know about you. 
I don't know what to think of this. I've been trying to think all day of what it could possibly be. The fact that there's only two puncture holes in the chest. Mm -hmm. The veterinarian has said that it's from an animal with a small jaw, but yet she will not say that it's a dog because a dog would have teared up the body. Yeah, the yeah, intestines yeah. have all been left. You know, it's just the fact that each of these tube, uh, these, what's it? The livestock, whatever, they'd all been found the same way, drained of blood with just these two puncture wounds. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking, but what animal is there that could have done this? What animal wouldn't use this carcass for a meal? Mm. And where where could the blood have gone if it wasn't an animal? And why? Well, and that's the thing. Have something to do with it. I, I mean, I was I was thinking, you know, horrible as it may seem, could it be like teenagers pissing yeah. about, thinking, let's freak everyone out with this stupid story and. Awful as it is, going around and doing this, but I mean, where where would it go? I mean, unless they had buckets or something. But then there's they they claim there's no there's no footprints either. I mean, the, the thing is, it said I don't know how they know this, but the article in the Sun says that uh, the 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 parent animals didn't seem to do anything to defend them. Yeah, um, and I keep thinking, well, if it was humans, they probably wouldn't run from humans. They probably used to having them around like the farmers and that um but no i don't know i mean could it have been a a, a vampire bat but well, the they said that it wasn't a bat Should yeah i mean I, I suppose they wouldn't drink until the animal was dead either i don't know i mean i, I i'm, I'm open-minded about this kind of thing because i always think you know science discovers new species all the time albeit small species yeah i always come back to like is it possible that in more remote places there are still larger uh, undiscovered uh, creatures i think so i mean and i, and I always think if, if you have a scale of like uh, the beast of bodmin to loch ness monster so that's that's the scale i i like to use and i think you know for me at least that the loch ness monster is not real because I I feel like there would be more evidence of it that you know I, I don't believe the lock's big enough to sustain a population of whatever it's supposed to be. On the other hand, the beast of Bodmin I think is becoming more and more fact that there are big cats that have been released over the years roaming the West Country and and breeding. So yeah. to me, that's a scale of you know very 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 possible to not true at all. And something like this sits fairly close to the middle for me because I won't dismiss it completely because I think there are vast expanses that haven't been properly explored. Um, but at the same time, what mammal would do that and not eat the rest of it? I don't know. I don't know. It's very strange. That's why I mentioned UFOs. Who's to say that an alien hasn't come down and it tried to do experiment? Well, yeah, it could be. As you it say, the, the space in Chile, in this photograph, is very vast. I mean, there's mountains yeah. and hills in the background. It, there doesn't seem to be any um, habitation of people. So so I, I, I agree with you. I think there could either be a, a, a species of animal that we don't yet know of that is possibly living in this area um, or something beyond what we can fathom. Yeah, I mean, this remains unexplained to me. I'm not, I, I, I can't completely dismiss it as, oh, well, you know, it's kids messing about or the farmers themselves. I mean, I don't see what what's to gain from that. You'd have to be pretty sick to want to do that, although these people do exist. Uh, yeah, I'm on the feds. I know, because even if it was student nurses, uh, like student veterinary nurses, they're not going to go out and harm these animals because it would be against... Yeah, thing that they stand for. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm on the fence of this. I think this goes into the folder of unsolved mysteries. Yes, we'll have to start a folder. We got one in there. Woo! Uh, last last news story for today. Uh, interesting one. Uh, this isn't anything to be fake or or, or true because it's just a, a factual thing. Uh, demands for apology to all Scots women accused of being witches and a, a memorable, memorial bill. Uh, what did you make of this one? I thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> I just love the idea that people think that these Scottish women are to blame for for problems that have crept up during the pandemic. It's uh, yeah. I mean, it's the, the the whole thing is very strange. I mean, um, I mean, I, I love the fact that the the women, um, the witches, well, supposed witches from the sixteenth uh, to eighteenth century, are now being honoured uh, in in the way that they are through this program. Um, but I I just I don't. Well, there's two things I don't. I don't want to touch on this too much because it's a, a very real um, and, and horrible thing. But the, the two branches for me are you know, trying to raise awareness for many atrocities that happen in certain communities where children and women are still to this day blamed uh, under the guise of witchcraft and uh, can be uh, brutally murdered because of that. Uh, that's that's one thing, you know, to raise awareness of that. Absolutely. Of course, they should raise awareness for that and, and stamp that out. The, the bit I find a little odd is the kind of retrospective, all these women need to be um, pardoned from four or five hundred years ago. I, I find that almost like it kind of illegitimizes a very real problem that we're having now. Like, yeah. I, I kind of feel like focus on now because... I don't know what they because they've bundled the two together. I don't know what they expect the Scottish Parliament to do, um, because if you, there's if a lot you, of bad lines. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, it's, if you're the Scottish Parliament, you get this petition that says we want all women who accused of witchcraft in the 1600s to be pardoned. It's quite strange. I mean, by all means, I think the fact that they want like a memorial to them is one thing, but I find it a strange yeah. thing to get them to be pardoned when technically I think we still do have like some sort of witchcraft laws. I mean, the first step would have to be to, to undo that. I was looking this up earlier. Um, the Witchcraft Act 1735 is gone. It's been replaced by the Fraudulent Mediums Act. I'm not sure if that's still still happening. Um but it's a it's a it's a weird one because they're effectively asking the parliament to say that these people who we don't have a great deal of history on uh, were all completely one hundred percent innocent and should all be uh, exonerated and that that may well be true but they don't know that and I just find yeah. it's a bit of a a fantasy thing to do. They should just leave it as it is. It's been this way. Leave it as it is. Is just. Leave it in the past. Pay. Your I would leave it as it is. Have uh, a memorial. Yeah. Whatever they want, that's fine. And focus on the now and the very real problems that are happening now. That that would be that would be my uh, that would be my take. Uh, I, don't, I mean, I was really shocked by this article to learn about modern day um, accusations of witchcraft. Mm. Um, so where it said that hundreds of women are banished to witch camps in Ghana, thousands have been killed for alleged sorcery in India, and Saudi Arabia has an anti-witchcraft police unit. Mm. I, was, I just I had no idea about any of that. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I I don't know how you would de de describe yourself or, or what you do, but I, I'm not sure about the legalities of, of witchcraft now. In the in the UK, and what's technically not not that I'm sure they would ever act on it, but what's technically allowed and that kind of thing. But these are very real. Um, you know, it's fair to say that a small proportion of um, our Western society believes in paranormal or is open to paranormal experiences. But in many cultures, it's it's very real to oh, yeah, vast majority. Literally, part uh, of their everyday life. Yeah, my. Uh, funnily enough, my uncle's from Ghana, who, who married my aunt, and my aunt went over to his uh, village in Ghana, um, and he, she was there, and she wanted to take a picture of this this guy who was the the, the witch doctor of the of the village, and uh, the, the man said, "You you you can't take his photo." 
And she said, I'm oh, oh, sorry. He said, no, you, you can. He said, but it won't work. And she took a photo and she swears, she swears that that photo never came out. That it, for whatever reason, it was the only photo on the reel that never came out properly. That's so strange. That's very strange. But it's, the, the whole thing is very real to them because I remember, so my uncle is um, a prince, uh, apparently, in Ghana, and he and his brother have... Uh, uh, are in a bitter feud for the throne, if you like. Mm. And um, honestly, they've both employed different witch doctors to battle psychically uh, for each of them. Um, and, you know, uh, that does make me chuckle, but it, it does demonstrate how really very real this is uh, for, for, for these uh, civilizations. And it's something that I think we needs to be educated and certainly the, the women and children involved need to be protected. Well, that's it for the news today. Um, we'll make that a regular feature. Cara, it's been brilliant. I've had fun. Really, really <laughs> pleased. And I think um, what we're going to do from now on, we're going to invite people to send in those stories. Um, and you and I have got plenty of more stories as well, I'm sure, uh, that we can we can tell as well. So, Cara, thank you very much. Thank you very much for allowing me to talk with this, Chris. There you have it, episode one of EV Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate it. Please do check out the socials at EV, E-V-I-E Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. We also have a Facebook page, but honestly, your best bet is getting in touch with Cara on that one. I honestly have no idea how it works. If you'd like to get involved in our show, please tell us your real-life paranormal experiences. You can email them over to EV Podcast. That's E-V-I-E Podcast at Outlook.com. Thank you so much once again. Please do subscribe and we'll see you once again next Friday night. Bye.